Welcome to the Cleaning Up Business Podcast. My name's Chris Kilfoyle and I'm going to be your host. In every episode, we're hoping to bring you industry leaders from a wide variety of service sectors, disruptors within their industry and day-to-day entrepreneurs with some business and life lessons for you guys to take away. Let's jump in to today's episode. is not just the how many pounds a month you're paying for cleaning it's how clean is your building at the end of it you've given me a price to do those tasks yep. get them done by whatever the most efficient means is mm-hmm. and the industry is rife for disruption cleaning has kind of been left behind a bit i think so where did you come into your role in foremost but if i haven't launched a category killer every quarter i feel yeah. like i've let the sales team down the system that you guys have got in place is definitely superior to any that i've seen on the market there's got to be a moment where something really drastically shifts made a lot of mistakes but Especially We're aiming to be five times the size in five years. Welcome back to another episode of the Cleaning Up Business Podcast. Today, I have Daryl Penson from Foremost, a janitorial supply company in Bognor Regis. Isn't Correct. it? Yep. that right? Yeah. Daryl is the managing director. And we're going to talk things all cleaning related, the future of the cleaning industry, new products, innovations, and everything else in between. So Daryl, thank you for joining me today. So as always, we go back to the start with our guests. Now, I know you were slightly different to some of the other people we've had and you, a bit like me, come straight out of school and into the industry. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your early life before you got into Foremost. Yeah, well... As you say, came straight out of school in, into the cleaning industry, but my early life, I was kind of born into the cleaning industry, I guess. Um, my grandparents had an office and shop cleaning business. My dad had a window cleaning business. They started supplying some of their customers with the janitorials as well. So as far back as I can remember, it's, it's been cleaning. Um, when, I, when I was a little kid, used to play hide and seek in the sort of downstairs warehouse in amongst sort of pallets of toilet roll and wow. chemicals. It's, so I'm very familiar with the industry and that's where foremost kind of focus on supplying cleaning contractors comes from as well because we we were one once yep. so we you know we've always been very um involved with cleaning and and just found it fascinating that what, what did what gave your granddad the idea of getting into the industry do you know where, do you know about a little bit about that story i think like a lot of people it's um it was just something you could do you know mm-hmm. it's is a way you can start a business with a fairly low barrier to enter i know that's something you've talked about a bit yeah, it's it it's an easy um easy route to be an entrepreneur, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and some people go on to, to build, um, you know, really great businesses out of that. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a cleaning company, window cleaning mm-hmm. company, dad, how, where does foremost fit into that? Because obviously, you know, I've got a cleaning company. I use a supplier. I actually use foremost, um, for our cleaning supplies. So mm-hmm. where, where did that, where did that journey start? I think it was, um, well, you know, like yourself, supplying consumables alongside the cleaning contract mm-hmm. started um i think dad actually had a little little shop beside wilston train station okay. and started to get some trade counter customers from other cleaning companies who would pop in to buy their um their squeegees or their floor cleaner or whatever yeah. and that side of the business just grew a bit more and in the end he he sold off the cleaning round for, to focus just on the supplies um when you focus on one thing you can do it better yeah. You know, so so by having that focus, that the supply side was able to grow more. Did he um, pick that side because it was just more profitable? I, I don't know. No, um, it was more. Also, also, there's another change. He moved down to the south coast with oh, yeah. my grandparents um, okay. and started again. Sold sold the whole business in London. Oh, really? Um, 
started again and decided to focus just on that. Mm. Um, I, c- I couldn't imagine doing the two, like, you know, having a cleaning company and the operatives that come with that and then doing the logistics of a janitorial supply company. It must have been quite stressful for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is why, you know, ended up being better, better to focus just on one. one. Yeah. So where did you come into your role? In foremost, tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, Did you start in the business as a warehouse operative, or was you straight at the top? <laughs> no, of course not. Um, so I, yeah, I came straight out of um, college into into foremost. Um, first, I did marketing actually. Okay, which which I enjoyed. Yeah, um, yeah. Started sort of trying to build up our social profile a bit more, use more video, and um, at the time we were already very focused on innovation. But I was keen to accelerate that because you know I could see that it's a um, it's an industry that needs it, and and there's Definitely. a lot more people now um, focusing on it. But still, you know, the majority of methods used in the cleaning industry, you'd probably be able to take a cleaner from a hundred years ago, and it wouldn't be that different for them in a lot of ways. Yep. Other industries would have changed a lot more. I think mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't be able to say the same about healthcare or construction or yeah, cleaning has kind of been left behind a bit. I think. Last few years, it's been catching up more, but there's still a long way to go. And I just was excited about pushing that more because we have an opportunity to influence a lot of the cleaning industry because we deal with a lot of cleaning companies. Yeah, sure. So when did you come in the position of managing director? Um, uh, so that was after about two or three years. Um, yeah. I'd done marketing, uh, did operations for a year as well um, yeah. when we, we needed an operations manager. Um did some sales for a couple of years and then I, um, we had a bit of a think about what the succession plan was going to be for the business. Um, and yeah, I took on the role of managing directors being the one of the family that had the, um, the most, um, natural leanings towards the people side of things. Yep. Building a team was becoming more and more important. Um, and so, yeah, we, we recognized we we're going to need to recruit a management team from outside the family. And so I, I took that project forward and it, yep. it went from there really. So what does Foremost look like in its current format now? What sort of size is it? How many employees? Um, we're just over 6 million. Got a team of well about 30. Um, well, so some of those part-time, mostly full-time. Yeah. Um, and growing at about 30, 40% every year. I'm okay. planning, to, planning to keep doing that. It's, um, it's nice. We get a lot of organic growth because we don't really lose customers and our, our customers are growing fast. Yeah. I know you're, you're growing fast a lot. A lot of the people who work with us, it's because they're a bit more the disruptors in the cleaning industry. Okay. They they want the new ideas, so they're the companies that are growing too. Yeah. Um, and then obviously new business on top of that is it's been a good good one, few years. One thing that, you know, just to give you guys an idea why we why we chose you guys out of um, and we haven't had this conversation before. One thing I found with janitorial supply company is the lack of MI, the management information that goes on back of house. You know, I want to be able to see there's certain parts of the products we get from Foremost or whoever it may be that are rechargeable to customers. Some are not, they're in within the cost. And clearly being able to distinguish the two and see that back of house electronically by site, that seems to be something that was lacking through other janitorial supply companies. There, there's a huge amount more that could be done with data. It's um, it's very transactional business. You know, mm-hmm. We're doing lots of deliveries to lots of sites. So we can act, we've got an opportunity to provide you with a lot of data that can help you run your contracts yep. on... And that, that is definitely an area we grow in by, by being good with technology and data. Yeah. Um, you know, procurement control, making sure exactly the right products always go to the right sites and you don't have um, like mess ups with the wrong, wrong chemicals, wrong consumables going to each place, keeping that under control, budgets, rechargeables, reporting on 
ESG data, scope one and two is, is fairly easy, but scope three is, you know, there, there's work to be done, but yeah. at least we can, we can put the systems in place to report on those things. MI data is, um, is something you can feed back to your clients as well to show you're a professional company. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. I mean, I say, I, I'll just spot on with the, the transactional piece. It was like, okay, well, we've got a delivery. It needs to go here and it, it would sort of just go there. We'd have a paper invoice, you know, that would get left with the materials and that's fine. But for someone like me, and to be honest with you, in the early days that suited us, we're getting a little bit more proactive forward thinking when it comes to processes now. And I say the system that you got you guys have got in place is definitely superior to any that I've seen on the market and gives us a much better overview of what's going on on a particular contract. Is that intentional? Is technology a big part of what you're going to be doing going forward with Foremost? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's basically, if we can make a cleaning company's life easier, then you win, we win. Mm-hmm. Um, and technology is a good way of doing that yeah. because you can take out a lot of the manual processes, use technology to do the simple repeating things, the reporting, the control and then human interactions can be saved for better conversations like this. Yeah. Where we learn from each other, you know, how share some ideas instead of all the humans, human work being kind of menial transactional work that actually can be automated. Yeah. And, and but, it, just, it just frees you up to do more creative things. Yeah. So we, I have a bit of a, a gripe with janitorial, not, not necessarily janitorial supply companies. And again, this might be a little bit of a controversial point. Hang on. And you alluded to it. Do you think the cleaning industry has changed at all or has really had any innovation in the past 20 years? Because I think since my time in the industry, I'm 36 now. I started when I was 20, so 16 years. Mm-hmm. I, don't th- I don't think it's moved on as much as people seem to think it has. No, I think the awareness of ideas is higher. Okay. But if you look at the actual proportion of contracts where those new ideas are being used there's still an awful lot of the same things being done. Um, I, I've got a goal to stop selling string mops okay. in, in the next five years. Yeah. And, and they, replace them with? Well, that's the problem because there are, there are machinery, there's microfiber flat mopping, there are systems that can do a much better job, you know, increase efficiency, increase hygiene results, but we've got to make it accessible for every contract um, to use them financially. Yeah. Um, but I think a bit, a bit the problem the industry has is that the very basic, you know, zero innovation is often what people will price for. Yeah, of course. So they'll, um, and the unit of cleaning is, is one cleaner's hour mm-hmm. rather than getting the job done. I know, I know some people do um, work on output specs more, but we're, we've just moved offices. Well, I did a bit of a test, got loads of cleaning companies in to quote for it. Mm. And only one company did an output spec. Okay. All the rest are saying, I'll provide a cleaner for you know, Something two, else. two cleaners, three hours a day or whatever yep. it was for our little office. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that we went with a company that said, we will do these tasks. Okay. I was like, I don't mind what, how you, you've given me a price to do those tasks, yep. get them done by whatever the most efficient means is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the opportunity the industry has got to become a bit more forward thinking. Yeah. So more efficiency rather Definitely. than, you know, what products are on the market that can help a company be efficient and move towards that output model? Um, do you need to spring to mind? There, yeah, but so many. That is a, yeah. I think the where we like to start with innovation is the cleaner um, themselves. A okay. lot of a lot of innovation industry is quite top down from suppliers. They're yep. like, we've got a lab that's come up with a great new product, and people test it and say, yeah, but it doesn't really work in practice. But the, what the cleaners get frustrated with or take a long time over 
that's the opportunities for innovation. Um, vacuuming is one. You know, we a few years one of our um, products that sells the most often to new customers is a floor tool that speeds up vacuuming. Okay. Because with one little five pound purchase, you can make every office you clean take thirty percent less time to vacuum. Yeah. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. They're they're the simple things that uh, they're, they're the innovations that people can pick up right now. Yeah. In terms of the bigger things like moving away from string mops, because I think everyone knows that the cleaning performance of them is is lower than machines and flat mops, but yeah. they're they're cheap, so people keep using them. That's there. There is work to do to develop products that can replace them in every area. Yeah. How do you think? So you know, string mops have been around for I don't know, probably granddads, hundreds of years. Grand, yeah, granddads. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think there's too much of a mammoth task to get that to change to you know a reach for an eye mop because that's you know yeah the one that comes to mind you know to move that over to a process like that I mean the barrier to entry with most of that and you alluded to it is cost because most hmm. people come into the industry right. I'm going to work for myself. What's the cheapest thing I can do? And cleaning is definitely up there. Yeah. Um, and it can be done cheaply, i.e. string mops and things like that. So do you think it's basically boils back down to price or is it just an educational piece within the wider industry? And I suppose that's where you come in as a supplier. Yeah, I think there's both. There, we, we need to develop better solutions for giving better results more efficiently with less with less investment. Yeah. And I think that's happening. You know, we're, we're seeing more and more... Um, machine machinery that can um save more time to to allow more cost or you know cost less you that that will always happen over time that that's kind of the nature of um product development but also we need to be educating clients yeah and i think we've all got a responsibility to that and you know what what you're doing and talking more about it on social media we need to make cleaning more visible make people think about cleaning standards more Mm. because it's not just the how many, how many pounds a month are you paying for cleaning? It's how clean is your building at the end of it? Yeah. And that, that's what we need to, you know, help clients understand more so that they, so they understand, okay, this might not be the cheapest, but I know how much more I'm getting. Yeah. I say, and that comes in, you know, I think that comes with bigger customers, doesn't it? I think it's hard to manage that bottom part of the industry with that. You know, if we use our office, for example, which is relatively small, um, you know, there's not going to be much efficiency gains you can get here, is there? Yeah, so yeah exactly. Be- and and we see it too. The the bigger contractors with the um the biggest individual locations, but also, you know, national contracts as yeah, well. Yeah, There's more scope for um the client to take a big picture of your own efficiency. Mm-hmm. And that will that will trickle down over time. But also when we talk about you know, I know it's something you're passionate about getting more young people into the industry. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to make it more exciting. Yeah. And how do we do that? What's your view? By educating people who are thinking about starting cleaning business that you don't have to do it the old boring way. Yeah. That because who's going to get excited about um a mop and bucket business? But if you're coming in as a, a bit of a disruptor and a change maker, you know, you still might start with just doing the cleaning yourself or just one or two guys or you you know, recruiting your area first area manager is still a massive moment. Yeah. But if you if you're winning business because you're doing things better rather than because you know, I've got, I've got low overhead, so I'm doing cheaper. Yeah. Then it will be a more exciting business and you can be a, a better entrepreneur. Yeah. I think that's spot on, you know, again, people to, in my, I say it in about the cleaning industry and it, you know, it comes down to two things. You are compete on cost or you compete on quality. Yeah. And 
you need everyone needs to start being over here and start introducing technology you know better equipment more mi i think that's something we massively miss out on the cleaning industry period yeah. like you say if we're using a standard mop and bucket this is what it and our, our team do that where they you know they swab test floors and things yeah. like that which is you know a great marketing piece um but it does prove that actually you're getting a better result okay it costs more but you're getting a better result yeah in the end yeah. of it you mentioned about disrupting the industry yeah and the industry is rife for disruption is there anyone anything that you can see going on in the industry where or where there's a real opportunity without giving away anything where you can make some money from it you know where it's the doors wide open for someone to disrupt this industry yeah i think so um well it what i alluded to earlier about the um the amount of cleaning processes that are still you know the same as they would have been a long time ago that's where the opportunity is mm. um and there there are new things being used increasingly like sensor tech um for guiding dynamic cleaning instead of instead of having a schedule you you clean when something needs cleaning yeah that's the kind of technology that is that is disrupting the industry and why shouldn't it continue mm. and something we've started um work on a bit over the last year or so is whether that could lead to a pay per visit model okay you know, if you're telling your cleaning company you're telling your client i'll clean your washroom in this spaces that have higher um fluctuating footfall like um maybe shopping centers yep. i'll clean it after 100 visits rather than i'll clean it every hour yep then why not charge them for every visit they get mm -hmm. rather than charging a flat rate yeah you know that but there's some new business models that could come come in and disrupt the industry a bit more than just using a different cleaning method have you seen anyone use that approach in the real world in your travels um, a few brave customers are starting to talk yeah. about it yeah okay. no I, I wouldn't say it's um being widely used at all but people are thinking about it because it's it's a bit like the sort of the uberization of cleaning. Yeah. If you like, there, there's going to be new ways of to totally changing the, the revenue model yeah. that cleaning companies are going to be thinking about. I, I think this all the time, and I, I, I'm of a similar mind of view. There has got to be a period, something, is, there's, especially with the way we're going with tech, cobotics, AI, all, all, all them bits and pieces in between. Mm. There's got to be a moment where something really drastically shifts, like you say, and there's a totally new approach I, I don't know what it is because if i had the idea i probably wouldn't be sitting here i'd be on the beach somewhere <laughs> but um yeah there's got to be something surely that's coming down because I, I it really frustrates me when i sit and talk to people about innovation and i'm i'm a bit like well is it really you know cobotics is a good example yeah. i remember seeing that early 2000 don't get me wrong it's a lot more expensive but i remember being at gatwick airport with ocs and I, i've seen versions of don't get me wrong they've come on then but to me that's not new they've, they've been around for some some time now they're not new but they're still it's still in the early adopter stage mm -hmm. you know the the majority of vacuuming and floor cleaning is still done manually yeah so that that is something that can be replaced and again that's a if you're one of those um people trying to start a disruptive cleaning business I would lean into that. Yeah. You can, um, you can, okay, it, take, it takes capital, but you can do a job more efficiently than you can with, with humans. Mm -hmm. It helps solve the staffing crisis a bit. Yeah. And instead of having to have 10, you know, staff that are national living wage that you're struggling to, um, recruit for, starting to recruit for, if you could have two people that are paid 50% more yeah. and they're experts and technicians rather than cleaning operatives, mm -hmm. It becomes a more attractive industry to recruit for too. Yeah, it's it's a career path that people might start talking about in um, 
you know, when they're coming out of university instead yeah. of hoping for a job in the creative industry and falling into cleaning yeah. or whatever happens. That's a fantastic it. point. And ironically, me and Adam done some videos for Kelsey Hargreaves at Bix um, prior to starting about younger people coming into the industry. And they're just spot on things, you know, um, that need to happen, I say, because there is so much tech and, you know, other pieces of equipment, cobotics that can come into the industry that make it, you know, from the outside in, like you say, if you imagine an old, <coughs> an old granny with a mop and bucket, you know, mopping yeah. the it, that's, you think, mm, do I want to be in that? It is a, it's a what, a nine billion industry. Yeah. There is a huge employer, um, a huge amount of work to be done mm. and, and lots of opportunities to do it better. Yeah. So, so why isn't it an exciting space that more people are getting into? Yeah. On the young people, you're young. Yeah. In, in terms of things. And that's great to see. Um, you know, we need, we need more of that to get them young ideas coming in. I, I do think we're, we're heavy in terms of the old generation at the top or the front of the industry. Um, what do you think? What was your first impression? Obviously you've grown up with the cleaning industry, so it's slightly different, but what mm. is the perception of the industry for young people? Do you think? Um, I just don't think enough people probably think about it or, are excited about it. Mm. You know, if you look at the industries people are excited about at the moment, it's uh, what AI. Yeah, you know, it's things that are cutting edge. YouTube, I, exactly. <laughs> it's because cleaning isn't perceived as cutting edge that young people aren't necessarily excited about it. Yeah. But what we've found is, um, you know, we we're, we're a young team. Um, most of the rest of the management team are in their twenties as well. Good. We're quite kind of hungry and keen to change change the way we do things. Yeah. And when we interview people. Or when we talk to customers or suppliers, they're like, wow, I like that there's a business doing this in an industry that's fairly old fashioned. I find that exciting. I want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, so I think we, it just needs a bit more momentum of other kind of, you know, young people seeing it as a exciting place. They can make a change mm. rather than a last resort. If I can't get a good job. Yeah. That, that, that's a perception I really want to change that. Yeah. People think cleaning isn't a, isn't a great industry and to I get into. There's so many different facets to the industry, isn't there? You, know, yeah. you could be on your side of the fence, you know, janitorial supplies, the logistics that go with that, sales that go with that, and keeping at the forefront of innovation mm -hmm. when it comes to cleaning products, tech, machinery, and even, you know, my side of the fence, operational delivery, you know, you've got sales, you've got marketing, social media, you, you, there's so many different, you know, account management, there's so many different facets within the industry, isn't there, of just... We just don't seem to shout about it enough. Oh, is social media a part of foremost strategy moving forward? Yeah, we um, we're probably not as strategic about it as we should be, but you know, I talk about things I'm interested in. The rest of the business does too, and it does it does get noticed. It does start conversations. Mm. Um, it, you know, probably why we know you, isn't it, from social media yeah, interactions? So it it definitely can lead to useful partnerships. Yeah, I see you. Um, your Challenge you're doing at the moment with the tubeless toilet roll, which I haven't actually done yet. Doing you're you gonna have a go? I'm gonna, of course, I am. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Royce has been um, messaging me saying, Why haven't you sent me a video yet? So yeah. I, will, I will be having a go at it. Let's go back to cons chemicals. Yes, is there anything coming down the line that you know is a real focus or people should be focusing on? Sustainability seems to be a big one when it comes to cleaning chemicals and things like that at the moment, definitely. And uh, um, for a long time, our when we have these conversations with customers, it's like, okay, you want to have a sustainable chemical, but what's your priority? Is it going plastic free? Is it, um, you know, using probiotics and organic ingredients? Is it using, um, zero deliveries using the, um, you know, like aqueous ozone or hypochlorous acid systems yep. that generate, I'm generate your solution on site. Yep. So there's, there's different routes. There's no one answer necessarily, mm. but what I find encouraging 
is that all our all our biggest customers now use these as a prior as their first cleaning method. It's yep. not like, oh, we've got one client who's pushing sustainability, so we're using sachets there. Everybody's using either a plastic free or a probiotic or that has what the innovations that were new four or five years ago have actually become quite mainstream in, clean, okay, in chemicals now. Yep. And I find that really encouraging, mm. but there is still not perfect. Um, you know, in an ideal world, you'd never have any plastic waste. You'd minimize deliveries to the absolute you know, yeah, bare yeah, minimum. Essentials. You want to, it can still be improved, but I'm encouraged with the way it's going. I had a conversation um, actually this week with a, um, a probiotic supplier that we, that we hadn't talked to before. And he said, wow, you're the first person who I've talked to who've said that, but we genuinely have found it. Our top five, 10 customers are all only buying sustainable chemicals now. And mo- most of the rest are too. And I find that really encouraging. Yeah. We're guilty of a bit, you know, being in, in, in the view of transparency, mm. we, you know, we're guilty of that. Okay. What does our customer want? You know, yeah. Depends where our customers led rather than, and actually our new general manager, Gary Stevens, he is going to be pushing that. And actually we're looking at standardizing a range of products and doing that as the, as, as the benchmark rather than doing it ad hoc, dependent on the customer, what their drives are, or are they, are they into big in sustainability or are they mm. more worried about cost? Um, do you think that's a top down approach? Do you find it's more the big guys that are doing that and it's slowly filtering down to the rest of the market? Could be. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still there to serve your, your client needs. Of course. Um, and I think it's, I, I'd love, I'd love to be more rationalized for ourselves. I think every, every supplier would probably say, oh, if we could only sell one type of each product, yeah. it would make our lives so much easier because you end up with 12 pro- products in your warehouse that are pretty much the same, yeah. but just doing something slightly differently sure. in the specific customer wants mm-hmm. them. But if a customer has a particular drive on, you know, that they've got a global net zero by 2025 commitment that you need to help them deliver. Well, that becomes more important than plastic waste for them because that's that um, whoever's buying the cleaning services is going to have that as one of their top priorities. Sure. That's what, yeah. Someone else might have an owner who's really passionate about plastic waste. Mm-hmm. So you do have, I think you have to be um, prepared to meet the client's needs, but at least at least everyone's going in some sustainable direction, yeah. even if they're going different directions. Mm-hmm. I've, that, that's a positive move for the world in general. Yeah, the most definitely. Do you find you get companies that are greenwashing? Like, I'll, I'll probably fall into that trap, to be honest. I.e., well, I say, well, we'll, you know, we'll do this for this one customer um, because they want that, but we'll just do it the cheaper way, the other way around. Um, do you find a lot of that in the industry? Yes. Yeah, the um, one of the classic examples is a um, biodegradable black sacks that yep. got promoted a few years ago. Okay. And I, I thought that was, that was dead and gone, but we still get people saying, oh, my stationery company's offered me these biodegradable black sacks. And you dig out the old documents on what the difference is between oxodegradable and biodegradable and why the microplastic flakes from those are yep. doing so much more harm than the intended good. Mm-hmm. So yes, that, that happens a lot. People think I could put a green label on this for something. And when you look at the real impact, it's a lot worse. There is none. Yeah. Going back to foremost... You're obviously a young director, mm-hmm. bit, 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 bit like myself. How did you find that journey? Did, was it difficult? Um, yeah, a lot of being thrown in the deep end. Is your, is your age a barrier in some instances? At first I thought it was. And I can remember the first, um, when I first had a management role, you know, most of the people I was managing 
were a lot older than me, a lot more experienced. I was a bit scared of having difficult conversations with them because, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're old enough to be my dad sometimes. Yeah. They're, you know, they're <laughs> no, I've been in that situation. Um, it does take a bit of getting used to, but I think people, people do respect you if you're, um, you know, if you, if you're true to your, the values you said you're going to be and you, you're open and upfront with them, hmm. actually people don't mind being managed by a younger person. Yeah. As, as long as you have good communication and you're, you're clear about where you want everyone to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm of the camp of, look, I don't care how old you are. You know, if you're delivering on what you say you're going to deliver on. Yeah. That's the end result, right? You know, yeah, exactly. Doing whatever you should be doing. Foremost, what's your, what's your, as, as a managing director, what's your plans with that? Obviously you're 6 million around in revenue now. What's the plans moving forward with it? Where do you want to get it to? I always have this 10 million revenue for my own business in my head. I don't know where that comes from, to be honest, a bit of a vanity metrics, you know, but that's always been sort of the goal. Is there anything that you've got in plans for foremost where you want it to get to? Um, yeah, we're, we'll probably, that, that 10 million number is a nice, nice run up. We'll probably yeah. do that next year, but we're, um, we're aiming to be five times the size in five years. Okay. So that, that's our kind of big goal. Be one of the um, big, 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 big players in the industry. Yeah. And that will, that will involve, um, a lot more partnerships with with the national fms which which we're building all the time yeah um there yeah it's probably last couple of years we've had to change our approach quite a lot where tell we, us a little bit about that tell, give me an example where we um started moving from supplying the, the sme cleaning contractors to um to more yeah national or corporate yeah. companies um where the the relationship with the owner and the good yeah, you know, good reputation, good service, and they're kind of doing the basics well, um, and having a lot of useful innovation ideas and helping them with sales and marketing. It, those were good things that had added value to a certain size of company, but to get to the next level up, we had to professionalize that a lot. Okay. So it became more about, um, you know, not, not just, are we good in practice, but are we able to show we're good with data and reports and, um, that, that's where a lot of the work on ma management information and tech has come from. Yeah. To be able to say to someone, not just you've had a good ref reference on our service, yeah. but no, our, our OTF delivery is exactly 98.7%. And yeah. here's where we failed and here's why, and here's what we've done about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an operations report that can give a, a more corporate customer confidence. So we've had to learn to be a lot more um, data driven and professional, not just kind of, we know we're doing the right thing. So people will trust us. Yeah. Is that going to carry on playing a part of the foremost progression? Do you think using like yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and where we can um, use that data to help you too. I had a really interesting conversation um, a couple of weeks ago about you know the number one thing that someone buying cleaning services, like a, a procurement manager buying yeah. cleaning services, wants to avoid is is complaints. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you know that if we can work with you on okay, hit if you have the data on your complaints, I've had. 10 complaints in the last six months. Um, here's the sources of them. Okay. What can foremost do as a supplier to eliminate those? Two of those are related to, um, like could have been to do with a product or something. Okay, fine. We can cut those out by changing the product. Yeah. What ones were to do with, um, like proof of presence. Can we provide a technology service that will, that will help you with that? There, there are different things we can do to help cleaning companies eliminate complaints. Yeah and make our sort of data capabilities more useful for you in growth. 
Yeah, so I think that's a big part of what separates you from some of the other guys. You know, what I'd used to get is, you know, a, you know, just a picture of the stuff in the hallway. I know from you guys, we get a delivery report. It's even got our logo on it so that if I have to buy, provide that to customers, um, you know, that, that that's there and I can give them all the all the MI that I, that I need. And that's definitely a value added. Since, since you've been a foremost, mm. and we'll try and steer away from COVID, I always ask everybody this on the, is there is there a particular high point that you remember is there is there anything that's gone on that you've really cut you know you come home at the end of the day and you it's really stuck with you and it might not necessarily you know that doesn't have to be fiscal it could be you know smallers i've had them smallers you know something that a member of staff's done is there a particular event that sticks out for you um there's been so many <laughs> no it is I, yeah I, I hadn't really sort of thought thought of one particular event so but i think moving premises at the start of this year was one of those it was kind of we'd we'd been growing fast and not really um kind of growing our capacity as fast. Yeah. So we we got to the point where we had offices in two locations, warehouses in um two off site locations as well as our, our main warehouse. Yeah. And we had people working all over the place. It was disjointed, it was difficult to communicate. We were making it work, but everyone just felt like they're having to work too hard for not getting as much done as they could have. Yeah. So getting everything into one location, having suddenly, okay, we've got the capacity to triple here, you know. Every, everyone on the same page everyone excited about the future that felt like a really good moment of like opening the floodgates to future growth yeah so yeah that that's that was a big win definitely a proud one how big's your unit uh, uh it's big 10 square feet adam we're kind that we're gonna have to go down for a day yeah. i think hey come we'll we'll spend a day on on innovation on what you know value you need to build for the future and help mm. Help support the sales. Say, you know, it's interesting to hear other people's growth, and it's fantastic to hear. And congratulations! You know, we're we're going we're sort of going through a little bit of a reset here at the moment. And it's mm. an ideal opportunity, to be honest, to look at things like that. And and I can come down, bring Gary Stevens, and, and maybe Sharon, our operations director, down, because we're just like you. We're now in that mindset of right, okay. We don't, we're not shying away from our, you know, our smaller customers that, you mm. know, have been with us for years. We're still going to give them the same service. But a bit like yourself, look, looking at some of the bigger nationals, we're looking at ourselves going, right, how can we set ourselves up for future growth? What does that look like? And it, and what it does look like is what you've alluded to, all the MI processes back of house, and that's what we need to do. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good to come down and, and have a look around, to be honest, yeah. and see, you know, get some inspiration, hopefully. On the flip side of that, and I, I try and steer people away from COVID because that's natural go-to. And it yeah. might be your go-to because I imagine it was a big impact on you guys. But in reverse, is there any part of your journey with Foremost where you sat there and just thought, I've had enough of this? I have this on a near weekly basics, basis, but um, is there a particular low point that you've ever been in your career? Um, okay, now to COVID wasn't actually a low point. No. It actually, well, we've had someone else on the channel that said actually it was quite a busy time, to be honest. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, a lot of our customers' revenue dropped hugely, and that meant, that meant ours did too. Yeah. But it was, an op- it was more of an opportunity than mm-hmm. a threat. We established a lot of new relationships in that have helped growth since, and, we, and it made us um, put in place a lot of improvements that we wouldn't have done otherwise. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, a crisis is good for making you review what you're doing and improve yeah. it. Yeah. So, I wouldn't call that a low point. Maybe um, there was a time a few, not long after I'd um, started being operations manager, 
when we're, we're putting in a new IT system, which has kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of the MI we provide now. But mm. um, you, when you put in a new system and everyone suddenly doesn't know how to do their jobs and things aren't what they used to be and, oh, actually, it hasn't got the capability for this. We need to get them to develop that. It's, a cr- it's always a, a big crunch in a business. Yeah. And we, um, everyone was worked way too hard. We lost most of our office staff in a sort of two or three month period. And so on top of trying to do all the tasks suddenly taking a lot longer than they used to, cause it's not, you know, not integrated like it had been yeah. for that period. We were kind of doing everyone's jobs because half the staff had left recruiting and everything was taking longer. And that was a kind of, are we ever going to get out of this period after like three or four months? Yeah. I mean, after three or four months it was sorted. But then you pick your head up and start to look around and find you haven't done any sales yeah. for a long time and growth is dipping off. And that's kind of... <laughs> Double-edged you know, sword there, isn't it? it exactly. It, just when you think you've passed a crisis, you realise you, you've got the next one of where's our, where's our next six months of growth going to come from. Yeah. So you're in a family business, mm. effectively. How'd you find that? It's good. Um, and yeah. I think the, that was probably why COVID was a good... We, we found it more of a, um, you know, not too much of a threat because... In a family business, you've got a lot of lot of trust and loyalty. Yeah, you're not worried about, um, you know, where each other are going. You you, so in crises you pull together. Yeah, in opportunities you celebrate together as well. But you know, there are times, actually, in the few weeks before lockdown, remember the toilet paper bannock buying yeah. era. <laughs> you're a millionaire if you had toilet paper in your property. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're also loading vans at one o'clock in the morning because. You know, I know I remember I was doing that with my brothers and it was, it was quite a laugh. You know, yeah. it's not what you want to be doing every day, but for a few no, weeks you don't mind. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, that when the chips are down, you'll pull together and get the stuff done. Mm. Even when, you know, your, your team's been totally overstretched and you've got all the, um, agency staff and you could to help, help with just like unloading deliveries and stuff. Cause we don't, you know, we don't use agency drivers, but we kept helping the warehouse with packing and loading. Yeah, and, um, but we're still sort of doing 18 hour days to get it done. Mm. At least you've got your brothers to do that with. Yeah. So, so there's definitely good sides to the, the high trust. Yeah. Any negative sides? Do you have arguments in the office? You probably know each other too well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can, I suppose on the flip side of that though, it's good because then from that perspective, you know each other's strengths and weaknesses, right? Yeah, you do. But it was a challenge actually in, um, like when we first recruited a management team, they felt a bit outsiders. Okay. That's interesting. You know, we, you have such, like, you know each other so well, you almost hardly need to speak sometimes. You know what each other mean. Yeah. Someone else coming into that, trying to be part of a management team with you, just felt a bit excluded. Yeah. So we had to really work on our communication to overcome that. Okay. That's a, that's a good learning point for me, to be honest. How did you go about that? How did you then start making sure that that person was included? Because we're going through that same thing. And say mm. we've had our, we've got our first, what I'd call a senior management role in the business, family business outside that. So basically I know what Don, Sharon, James get up to. And we and like you say, you don't necessarily have to have that day-to-day communication to say this is going on or that's going on. But now we've got a third party in. To be honest with you, it's had its challenges, like you, yeah. like you mentioned. How did you go around getting around that? Um, made a lot of mistakes, but... It's the best way to learn. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I've always been quite keen on training. So I did a lot of learning on management and communication. So I was to try and try and help ease that. And, um, and just being clear with them that this might be a challenge. Yeah. I think that was the main thing we learned from the first, first occasion of yeah, mm. bringing in a senior manager was just say, look, you're coming into a family business. We're going to do our best, but sometimes the communication, you might feel a little bit like you're not one of the family. Mm. We don't want that. So if that happens, tell us straight away and we'll sort it. Yeah rather than letting it become like a, 
unspoken rift between you. So I think it's it all comes down to honest communication. Just being upfront and honest yeah. with each other. So what's the plans for foremost? And my, when I say that, I mean, tell me in the short term and long term. Well, I mentioned we've got, you know, big growth targets. Um, and that's coming through innovation. We're pretty much always new customers. Our first conversations is about a new product. Um, and so that that's my number one thing is to keep well, that stream. I just, of interest, coming. What's your route to market to the bigger guys? Is that, is it just networking? Is it, you know, cold outreach, trying to get older people through LinkedIn? What should, what should find the best approach for those? Um, Without giving away too many secrets. No, no, it's, it's not secrets. They're, um, a mix of inbound through uh, so, social activity yeah. that does get people interested in things, um, cold outreach and events. Mm. Okay. Um, the London cleaning show where first time we exhibited there, that was a bit of a step change for us in being perceived as a, you know, a relevant supplier. We've been there two or three times now. And this, this year we had a really good, you know, just everybody who came was the people we wanted to be talking to. And yeah. they've gone away after that saying, I need to talk to foremost about this idea. So it's easy to pick up the phone to them and arrange a meeting rather than who are you? Yeah. I don't know. You've got that preconception. So, so we found events definitely help with just getting recognized. Yeah. You find value in the cleaning show when you go. Is that great? Sounds like it's growing momentum every time you go. Yeah, yeah. And next time it comes around, we'll we'll do it bigger and better. Have you thought about doing it? Because I know they've got the uh, the one in Vegas coming up. Have you thought about doing any exhibiting abroad? <laughs> That'd <laughs> be fun. Yes. Yeah. And there's Amsterdam in May as well. Yes. Um, is that next year? Is it May? Um, it is. Yeah. Next year. Because I know they do it every. Is it every couple of years? Every. Amsterdam? Yeah. It's it's every other year in um, Amsterdam in America. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, we're we're going to go out to the Amsterdam on the next. Oh, one. absolutely. It's brilliant. Um, in terms of exhibiting there, probably not because, no. um, you know, the great thing about London cleaning show is most of the people you, you meet there are London cleaning there. contractors. Makes sense. If you do a European one, you know, at the moment we're, we're just the UK. Mm -hmm. If we expanded into Europe, sure. I would do that. Yep. But if you had a stand there, I think it'd be a bit of a waste because 95% of the people are going to be from a different country. Oh, yeah. So they're not target customers, yep. but we absolutely go there to find, um, See what's going find on suppliers and it's not that doesn't tend to be the big stands. If you go, go to the, um, go to the halls at the back where you yeah. get the slightly more niche companies, okay. you know, the big brands, ultimately you'll see everything they're putting out anyway. Yeah. But where you can get the really exciting discoveries is the, you know, the someone from Poland who's invented a great thing, hasn't got much budget, has got a little two meter stand somewhere at the back mm. and, and it is potentially revolutionary Yeah. rather than yes. whatever the, the global brands in cleaning are putting in there massive front and center stand yeah it's a bit and there's some big there were some big stands at the cleaning show so yeah. back to the plans for foremost carry on getting into some of the bigger guys is that and what else yeah and and that so my, my focus needs to be on making sure we've got those genuinely exciting new products not just this this item is slightly better than it was last year but if i haven't launched a category killer every quarter i feel yeah. like i've let the sales team down okay because that, you know, ultimately that's their tool for opening new doors. Yeah. And do you will form, what's, what's your plan? What's your personal plans within Formos? You're going to be in position of managing director for many years to come? Um, what's your as personal it stands, ambitions? Yes, but I, I find it, I quite enjoy it when sort of people in the team say, I want your job. It's like, okay, you're, that. you're, you're ambitious. You're keen to learn. Fine. Here's what you need to learn. Yeah. Here, um, take some more responsibility. If they can push me out of a job, that that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, the um, I'm not sort of planning to go anywhere or 
to the business. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Well, I don't know. Start something, <laughs> disrupt another industry. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. But but yeah, there's we've got a management team that's getting better and better, and ultimately, you know, I I feel less important to the business than I used to be, which okay. is a good thing. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have to be around all the time for it to keep running well. And that's what it's about, right? Especially in a position like yours, you know that things are going on and things are happening, and you haven't necessarily got to be there every day or behind everyone, making sure those things happen. Because you know you're there as a as a resource for people to go to as and when, mainly to solve problems. I find myself doing in my yeah. position, um, not necessarily driving the business every day. To solve problems or to give confidence in opportunities as well. Someone might have thought, "Hey, here's something we could do." Yeah. They might just need you as the MD to say, "Yeah, go for it." You know, spend a bit of money on that try this new thing. It's worked really well. What yeah. a great success. Yeah. Go and do more of that. Yeah. For anyone that's new to the industry or getting into the industry, cleaning and hygiene, what would be your number one piece of advice be? Hmm. Um, don't be afraid to challenge the status quo. There's, I mean, we've spent most of the afternoon talking about how there is low so many opportunities to, but I think, I mainly see that from people who are quite established or bigger, bigger companies. Probably when you're newer, you might lack confidence to kind of go head to head with the big boys a bit more. Yeah. But we're, we're a small company challenging the status quo. So are you. So there are a few, um, but there could be a lot more. Yeah. So stand, stand up for what you think could make things a bit better. And there's an opportunity for you. I think that's a good approach. I mean, because, you know, like you say, there's so many processes within the industry where we just, you know, well, that's the way it's always been done. That's how we've always done it. And it's, you know, people that question that, and when they question it, you know, actually don't accept, well, that's just the way we've always done it. When we take over cleaning contracts and we try and introduce maybe a new working process or new chemicals or whatever it may be, you're always going to get that, oh, well, that's just how we've always done yeah. it. And it's not accepting that. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes that might be the right answer. It might be the, you know, well, we've done it like that because it, produces x result actually we've tried this process it doesn't but i think when, sometimes when you dig a little deeper into those processes they you know they, they are open for change or certainly improvement even if it's one percent you know it's still an improvement right yeah and the answer should be we're doing it this way because it's the best way mm. if it is the way you've always done it that's great but don't don't just say because we've always done it yeah. and or worse actually because nobody when you talk about change people say oh people say we always we always did it this way you actually rarely hear someone saying that. Yeah. But what you do hear is it would be too much work to get people to change. Mm. The staff won't accept it. The client doesn't like it. People will find barriers in their heads to someone else will oppose this change. That, that, that's what you need to start yeah. challenging. That don't, don't just sit there and accept that. Yeah. Give it a go. I think that's a spot on point. And I say we're going through this little process where we're sort of gearing up for the next step. And we get that in our own business now. So I think that's a, a real valuable piece of information for people to take away. You know, I'll get that with my ops guys. Oh, well, you know, if we change that, it's, it's not going to, and like you say, they're creating their own barriers in their head, why it won't actually work. But actually we all know deep down that the result will be better, you know, more efficient. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a solid piece of advice. Where can people find you on social and, and your websites and things like that? Um, on LinkedIn, our website, foremost-uk.com, you can, but yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yep. I'm open to talk to anyone in or out of the cleaning industry. I probably network more with people outside the industry because I want to get ideas from other industries that can benefit us. So, so yeah. Contact well, Daryl on social. Yeah, perfect. Well, I don't have any more questions, Daryl. 
all discussion points. Thank you for coming down today. And apologies, I was a little bit tight on time. We usually go out with our guests after. I'll certainly have a more detailed conversation. That wraps up today's episode, guys. As always, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button for us. Check out Foremost, Daryl always gave, and we'll put down the website and any social links in the description below. Make sure you follow along on all your podcast platforms, whether that be Apple or Spotify or any of the others. Hit that like and subscribe button, and we will see you again in a couple of weeks for another episode of the Cleaning Up Business Podcast.